Welcome back to the Vine Church Podcast. Today, we are continuing our sermon series, Seeing Jesus, exploring the first nine chapters of Luke's Gospel. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. And I'd like to read right now to you from Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5 in our Seeing Jesus series through the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read from verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, I'd like to pray uh, at the start of this message, and I'd actually like to pray the opening prayer from the communion service of the 1552 Book of Prayer. So let us pray together. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts be open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, some of the people who are watching us us this morning are Rachel and her family from the Philippines. So welcome, Jason, Rachel, Andre, uh, the rest of you guys. It's really great to have you with us today. Now, Earlier this week, um, we met up with uh, Rachel and her family for the Alpha course, for the 10th session of our Alpha course with them. And after playing a video about the church, we went around and each person in in the family shared their reflections, read out what they thought about the message. And then I shared the gospel again with them and invited that if any of them would like to pray and make a commitment to the Lord to become a Christian, then they would be welcome to do that. And I was delighted that three in the room of the the six that that were there, or or possibly eight that were there, three of them chose to make that prayer their own on Wednesday morning. And the last person to pray was Jason, age 24. Hi, Jason. And he prayed, as the others, passionately from the heart, You just sense this real faith and this longing for forgiveness and this faith in Jesus that he had come to cleanse us of our sin. And I said to Jason at the end, you know, it tells us in the Bible that the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. And he said, well, that's how I feel right now. Now, in the story that we've just read, we see one leper who is cleansed. And he goes on his way rejoicing as a result. In verse 14, we just read 
that Jesus told the man after he had been healed to go and show himself to the priest and to offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, if we look in Leviticus chapter 14, we find lots of detailed uh, information there, and I won't go through it in great detail with you, but lots of information about how somebody who thinks that they have been healed from leprosy should go and uh, be examined by the priest doctor. And so it tells us in chapter 13 and verse 45, the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Um, no, wait a minute, I'm reading the wrong verse. Chapter 14 and verse 3, the priest is to go outside the camp and examine him. And if the person has been healed of his infectious skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar woods, scarlet, yarn, and hyssop be brought for the one to be cleansed. So there was this procedure that was very elaborate that the person who had been healed had to go through to make sure that they were indeed uh, free from infection and to celebrate the fact that they could now be reintegrated back into the community and the worship life of the people of God. And so, for example, a bird would be uh, killed over a bowl of water, and then the water would be sprinkled with the leafy hyssop branch over the, the man seven times. And then the other bird that was still alive was to be dipped in the water and then taken to an open field where it would be released into the air as a sign, I guess, of freedom. This man is free now. Now, after that ceremony, the leper was to, the cleansed leper was then to put his clothes in a 90 degree wash, uh, to have a wash, to shave his eyebrows and his beard and everything and, and have a bath and wash. And literally he surfaces like a newborn, cleansed, washed, baptized, if you like, washed with his skin as smooth as a baby's bottom. And he could then go into the camp where he would rejoin his family and for seven days celebrate with his family. At the end of that, he would offer three sacrifices culminating in the priest smearing blood on his right earlobe, his right thumb, and his right big toe. And then he would repeat that by smearing those uh, same parts of his body with oil, anointing his right ear, his right thumb, and his right big toe. Now, we shall ignore the fact that no provision was made for lefties in this ceremony. But we will note rather that this public ceremony marks that he is now a worshipper who has been set apart, who is offering his whole being as a living sacrifice to God, his ears to hear God, his hands to serve, his feet to walk in God's ways. There is now a complete joyful surrender. Like everyone else, this leper is now included. He's not an outsider anymore. He is inside and he is now free to worship and to be with the people. So this is something of the celebration that the leper would go through. And this, the first leper in Israel that Jesus has cleansed, would have undertaken that kind of ceremony when he went to the priests in response. What a dramatic contrast, though, for this leper. 
Before he was totally healed, he was utterly helpless and hopeless. Let's just think about leprosy. It talks about leprosy in this passage, which covered probably a range of skin diseases, severe psoriasis, infections, spots, rashes, but also what we call today Hansen's disease. Leprosy, according to the World Health Organization, uh, is an infectious skin disease caused by a bacillus, the Mycobacterium leprae. And it, there's a slow incubation period of about five years. An untreated leper uh, finds that there's a progression and permanent damage is caused to their skin, to their nerves, to their limbs, to their eyes. It is likely transmitted via droplets from the nose and mouth during close and frequent contact with untreated cases. It's not actually as infectious as people thought it was, but it is still possible to spread it. There are, in fact, 200,000 new leprosy cases registered every year, even uh, today. That was in 2018, that figure. It is, in fact, now curable through multidrug therapy, and treatment can prevent disability if it's caught early enough. But so far, 16 million people have been treated with MDT over the last 20 years. Now, Dr. Luke in this passage tells us that the leper is full of leprosy. It's an advanced stage of the disease. Now, I haven't put up horrible pictures of people with leprosy. It is absolutely horrible and distressing to see. One uh, Indian uh, writer that I have watched, Anil Arana spent many years as a child in a little town in northern India called Patna, and he would see them begging on the streets with disfigured faces, and he was terrified of them as a young child, and even more so of contracting the disease from them. And he describes it as a loathsome disease, incurable. It consumed the person who suffers, leading to terrible, lonely death. There's no hiding the smelly sores he is an outcast, repulsive to all. It tells us in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 40 that when a man has lost his hair and his bald, he is clean. Oh no, sorry, that was the wrong verse. Um, no, the next few verses just after that tell us what a leper has to do. It tells us in verse 13, uh, chapter 13 that the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. In summary, I would put it like this. There are three Ds that describe the leper's condition. It is deadly for them. They go around shouting, unclean, unclean. It's like they have an app that warns people when they come close, that they have an infectious disease and they have no certificate of cleanliness and people should say socially distance from them, two meters, unless it was upwind and then it would be even further. They had to wear a mask on the lower part of their face. They were, it was, they were desolate as well. They lived alone outside the camp. They were an outsider. They were ostracized. They were never touched by people. Their families could leave food for them in lonely places for them to take. 
They were beggars. They might have been brought up with the dad putting his hand on his shoulder, with mum giving him hugs, with him having a bundle with his friends, but not now. Now he hasn't been touched for years. No human contact. And then thirdly, he is effectively dead. He is a dead man walking. Those torn clothes, that hair that's disheveled, that covered face are really symbols of their funeral rites. Josephus tells us that lepers are treated as if, in effect, they are dead men. In Numbers 12, Miriam, who has leprosy, Aaron pleads with, uh, with Moses and says, may she not be like a stillborn child with her flesh half eaten. Indeed, the rabbis considered the curing of, of a leper was as difficult as raising someone from the dead. It was like bringing someone back from life because they were living a living hell. They were walking dead people. So say to each other, turn to the person next to you and say, poor leper. Okay. Now, this is sadly the perfect picture, folks, of us the fallen human condition. R.C. Trench puts it like this. He wrote the first, he was the editor of the Oxford English Dictionary, and he said, though the leper was not worse or guiltier than his fellow Jews, nevertheless, he was a parable of sin, an outward and visible sign of innermost spiritual corruption. And J.C. Ryle puts it like this. What are we all what are we all but spiritual lepers in the sight of God? Sin is the deadly sickness by which we are all affected. It has eaten into our vitals. It has infected all our faculties, heart, conscience, mind, and will. All are diseased by sin. From the sole of our foot to the crown of our head, there is no soundness about us, but covered with wounds and bruises, and putrefying sores. He goes on to say, such is the state in which we are born. Such is the state in which we naturally live. We are in one sense dead long before we're laid in the grave. Our bodies may be healthy and active, but our souls are by nature dead in, trans trans in trespasses and sins. So turn to the person next to you and say, poor you. You see, the leper here prays, and he actually says to Jesus in this story, he says, Lord, not you can heal me, but Lord, you can make me clean. You see, Luke wants us to see that this is what Jesus has come to do, not to do a few magic tricks, not just to heal some bodies, but he has come to cleanse us from the inside out, from head to toe of our deep, disfiguring depravity. Total depravity means not that we don't have any good attributes, but that every aspect of us, the entire psyche of our souls, is infected, influenced, and infused with iniquity. We are dead, dead in our sins, as it says in Ephesians 2. We are desolate, excluded strangers without God, without hope in the world, as it says in Ephesians 2. We are deadly. We lead others into sin as well. 
But there is one final thing about this leper that I want you to see. Not only was he dead, desolate, and deadly, but he was also desperate. And this was his saving grace. You see, what's shocking about this leper is that he goes into the crowds. He entered the town. He wasn't supposed to enter the town. Matthew gives the same account and tells us that actually it's Jesus who's just given the Sermon on the Mount where he said, blessed are the desperate, blessed are those who mourn, and the large crowds are with him, and then the leper approaches. Imagine, imagine the hubbub of the voices, everyone in the crowd talking and shouting, children, and then suddenly you hear, unclean, unclean, this voice. And this guy breaking all the taboos. So desperate was he that he was beyond caring what people thought. What has he got to lose? He's dead already. Someone throws a stone at him, he probably won't feel it anyway. And so you can imagine like the bow of a boat parting the waters, the crowd parts before this filthy man until there he stood before Jesus, the clean before the unclean, the dead before the life. And it says, when he saw Jesus, he saw Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How desperate are you? How aware are you of your need for cleansing? You might say, well, I'm okay. You know, it's one or two little things. Um, I'm kind of 80% there, maybe 90, maybe 95% there. Do you know, that kind of response won't get Jesus' attention. Kids, young people, teenagers might say, well, you know, my parents are proud of me. I mean, I'm better than most other kids. I'm good. You know, God says, you're not good. That's why you desperately need him. Adults, you might say, well, I'm comfortable. House is okay. Job's all right. I'm okay. Thank you very much. God says, you're not okay. Now, you might say, yeah, but I am a Christian. To which I would say a couple of things. First of all, are you? Are you a Christian? Are you just trying Jesus? Or are you his? doesn't cut it that you say, well, I was brought up in a Christian home. You know, I, I go to church. No, but have you seen Jesus and surrendered everything to him? Have you truly given your heart, your life to him? Have you seen your sin and have you seen him? Dane Ortland says this, Christ was sent not to mend wounded people or to wake sleepy people or to advise confused people or to inspire bored people or spur on lazy people or educate ignorant people, but to raise dead people. 
Now, you might say, yeah, but I am a Christian. And to which I would say, fantastic, wonderful. And you know, all the words that we were singing today are true for you. There is indeed no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are indeed cleansed, forgiven, free, like that bird that is released over the open fields. You are free now, free to fly. But you know, even birds can get snared in nets. Even birds can get carried away with strong winds get pounced on by the neighborhood cats, shot at. We mustn't be complacent. We still need him every day. In repentance and rest is your salvation. And like this leper, we need to be aware of our needs. We need to be aware, God, there's more that you need to do in my life. I thank you that I am cleansed. I thank you that I am free. I thank you that I will stand before you forever. But, oh God, I want to live in that freedom. I want to live as a cleansed man. I want to live as a free person. I want to live out that fully integrated life that you've now given me, integrated into your people, but walking with you, God, because I can now do that. And so the man says, to Jesus. He says, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face to the ground and begged Jesus. Prostate. This isn't, this isn't name it and claim it. This guy is totally dependent on his knees before Jesus. And he says, Jesus, you can make me clean. I believe that you can do it. You alone can do it, but you have the power to do it. He has got a question, though. Are you willing to do it? Is Jesus willing? You see, dear friends, listen to this. There are two opposites for us. We can either think that we are above reproach, or we can think that we are beyond repair. Now, if we think we're above reproach, we won't go to him. If we think that we are beyond repair, we will not think that he would come to us. But because we are above reproach, we're not above reproach, we must go to him. And because we are not beyond repair, he will come to us when we go to him. So go to him. Don't be like the Pharisees. Jesus says in John 5, they refuse to come to me to have life. Oh, they know the scriptures. They know all about eternal life. They're trying to study eternal life, but they refuse to come to me to have life. Come to Jesus. John, writing in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, writing to Christians, says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive and purify us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Just reflect for a minute, would you? How are you doing? Are you a Christian? Do you need to come to Jesus for the first time to be cleansed? He's willing. Come to him. He's able. All of us, are we willing to acknowledge our need ongoingly of him? Is our heart harboring hatred, anger, resentment, pride, arrogance, greed, lust, unforgiveness, self-righteousness? These are all the stinking sores of unrighteousness. But there is hope and there is cleansing. God is trigger happy with mercy. He's reluctant to judge. He's patient. He runs out of patience eventually. But you know, he is ready, willing to forgive, to cleanse at the instant that you reveal, you show, you fall at your knees and you cry out to him. He is ready to come running like the prodigal father, the father waiting for the prodigal son and the first sight of the son coming over the horizon. The father runs to him, embraces him, forgives him, feeds him, showers him with love. That's our God, ready to do the same for you if you will just come to him. Is God willing? Oh, yes. But Jesus did come to the leper. He said to the leper, I will, I do will, I do choose. One word, that little word is so full of deep comfort. He is willing. I do choose to bless you. I do choose to forgive you. I do choose to cleanse you. I do choose to make you new. And so Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper. Get this. The infinite perfection touched the infectious person. The incarnate God laid his hand on the infected man. And one word, be clean, and in an instant, he was. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took it and the man was cleansed. And so no longer is he desolate, deadly, or dead, but he is infused with life. He is included. He is an insider now, a newborn baby with life ahead of him, raised from the dead, a bird set free to fly. So let us live in the light of what God has done for us. Let us enjoy our freedom. It is for freedom that you have been set free. Imagine if that leper had then not gone and made the most of his new life. Imagine if he'd stayed isolated. Oh, I can't cope with crowds now. I'm an introvert. I've got used to living on my own. What? You're missing out on what Jesus has done for you. No, don't do that. Don't miss out. Don't hold back. But live in the good of this life that we now have. We can be back with him, with his church, worshiping him, serving him fully wholly devoted to him. So let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for this amazing account 
of the leper who has been cleansed. We thank you that you give new life to all who come to you humbly, acknowledging their needs. Right now, we give to you anything in our lives that we know to be unclean. We confess it to you. We repent of it. We say, would you expose in our hearts anything that's wrong? We give our lives to you, Lord. We, we surrender everything to you. We thank you that you've come to bring life and life in all its fullness. Help us to live that life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.